This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest this morning is Roz Lemieux. She's the director of BlackBot Labs. It's the world's leading software company powering social good. With over 18 years in campaign tech, Roz has served as the CEO of Attentive.ly, which is now a BlackBot company. We'll talk about that in a second. She was a founding partner at Fission Strategy and executive director of the New Organizing Institute, NOI. All right, Roz, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right. Thanks for coming on. Tell us about Attentively first, because that was your baby, and it sounds like you recently sold it to BlackBot. What is Attentively, and what's its revenue model? How do you make money? Sure. Uh, It's an influencer engagement tool for nonprofits, so social listening, engagement tools. Um, It's a little different than some of the others in that crowded space, that it was really designed for social good causes to turn their supporters into ambassadors. Um, So in the marketing world, we think of that as everyday influencer engagement. Um, and I know you've had some other folks in that space on recently, but you're a just, listener, huh? I'm a listener. <laughs> um, Are you enjoying it? Yes. Good. Uh, so what, what's a little bit different about the problem set, if you're curing cancer, ending homelessness, you don't necessarily have to pay. Um, you can just, you just have to know who to ask and how to ask um, to get them to support your cause. So tell what was your, I mean, should we think of you as Kickstarter for these kind of social good causes? And if so, are you taking a small cut? How do you make money? No, it's more, it's a true kind of B2B platform play. So it is designed to help you engage existing supporters. So the way that nonprofits typically work today, um, their digital teams are spending a lot of time and energy building their lists, right? So I see. It's that first step under the ladder of ladder of engagement, you know, the terminology in the nonprofit world. Um, you know, everyone who shows up at an event, signs a petition, gives five bucks. Those are all kind of prospects, right? Yeah. Um, this is not a crowdfunding tool. It's more like a CRM for social good stuff. Yeah, it's a CRM add-on, right? Which is why we, you know, ended up in the BlackBot family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so was it a SaaS model? Um, yeah, it was. Um, actually, still pretty much is. So... Um, it was a subscription and you, um, we were doing typically annual agreements. Okay. And I mean, general size, 10 grand, a grand, a million. At the time of acquisition, which, um, was in 2016, uh, the average deal size was about 8,000 a year. Um, I actually don't know what it is anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's all mixed up with other products, right? Yeah. So 8,000 a year and let's just actually jump right to the acquisition. So when did you launch the company? So we launched a company in 2012, um, super brief uh, origin story. We had a vision strategy, which is still still around a digital agency working with uh, mainly progressive campaigns and causes. Um, and we actually were at, I want to say our second or third annual staff retreat because we were visions, a distributed team. So we'd get together once, once a year. Um, and we were having this, we had this, I think, uh, innocent 
idea that agencies have that software is going to be easier, you know, build it once instead of, you know, the hourly slog. Um, With crappy margins. (laughs) Right. So, uh, you know, we had this brainstorming session and it came up there in 2010. Um, And so, and we were at the time, Fission was kind of ahead of the curve in terms of using social tools. What size um, was Fission? How many employees and what was revenue around? We were relatively small at that time. I want to say we had probably 15 people on the team and we're doing a couple million a year. Yep. Okay. So Um, you launched attentively. That was around, you said 2012. Yeah. So we came up with the idea in 2010. We just did it on like, you know, kind of odd hours where we had developers that didn't have paid work um, for about a year. And we put up one of those launch rocket type pages, got a ton of signups. We said, oh, I think there's something here. How many? Um. So it was about 350 unique organizations um, and a few thousand signups. Just from Launch Rocket. Um, it wasn't actually Launch Rocket. It was before that. It was just like a you know standard um, sign up page. And so we went out and raised money on the you know the prospect of that. And it took how us much a while. did you raise? Um, that first round was 375. And total? Mm-hmm. No, no. And sorry. And how much have you raised total? Oh, in total. Um, Couple million, I want to say two point one. Okay, that was all, and that was all obviously pre-acquisition, right? Yeah. Okay. So my big question for you is: you said the exit happened in twenty sixteen, right? Yes. So there's a saying that goes around. You know, last year I helped my friends buy and sell around one hundred fifty million bucks in transaction volume, and our joke is always: once you make someone rich, it's really hard to motivate them. So why are you still at the company? <laughs> um. Well, for one thing, I love it. I mean, I'm just, I have, I've really lucked out, um, you know, the type of acquisition that it was, is it was a true kind of tech acquisition. We weren't huge at the time. Um, so, you know, I don't want to What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Like, you weren't um, huge? Uh, we were only 11 people when we were okay. acquired. So we really rolled up right into the company. They integrated us very quickly into product management, sales, et cetera. There was no sense having two people sell when they have, you know, hundreds of salespeople. Um, and that just opened up a whole bunch of interesting projects, including now Blackbot Labs for me to work on. Um, and I think I'll take the opening to say too, that, uh, you know, in your, in your opener, you say, you know, you've got the stories of people who, you know, became filthy rich or crashed and burned. And my story is really, you know, I think not an uncommon story, which is somewhere in the middle. You know, I'm sort of a, like, relentless entrepreneur. I'm always trying new stuff. My, uh, my husband's the same way. I've tried to count. I think between us, we've started 10 plus companies and had four exits and like, you know, we're not Instagram type wealthy people, but we, you know, we've kind of rolled that. By the way, most people on Instagram are broke as hell. Let's just be (laughs) honest here. They just are really good at taking pictures in front of other people's cars. That's how it works. (laughs) I meant that like Instagram founders, right? Like we're got it. Got it. You know, we're not, um, every exit isn't a billion dollar exit, right? Yeah. But you get enough of these little one and two base hits and you can have the freedom to do whatever you want to. Yeah, look, it's a really, really good point. And the reason I lead with filthy rich or crash and burn is specifically to elicit these kinds of conversations. The people going, well, I'm neither of those, but I'm right in the middle. And here's why it's freaking awesome. If you know yeah. how to hit doubles, right, and sell a company for two million bucks every two years, it's a pretty good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I test. It's not, yeah. it's not bad. We're, How know. did you, so you were about 11 people when you sold, how many customers were you serving at the time? Um, about 120. Okay. So very kind of very high touch relationships then, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So 120 and you mentioned about eight grand a year. Well, I mean, what? So you're doing about 80 grand a month ish. You were somewhere on a million dollar run rate when you exited. Yeah. A little bit less. Okay. A little bit less than that. So to the extent that you can, how did you think about exiting and was it a push or pull? In other words, did you say we've got to exit part with someone bigger, otherwise we're going to die or did they approach you for strategic reasons? Um, we were already partnered with them and, um, you know, we, we had a channel partner effort. So we were already partnered with Blackbot and, you know, a handful of other companies in space. Um, it was something that we had already always kind of thought of as a potential outcome. I will say that there were some pressures in the marketplace and in the business that had us looking around. Um, particularly, you know, we built a business on other people's APIs. <laughs> um, and be good and bad. All the time. Yeah. And, you know, I made a common mistake, which, you know, you can listen to these things all day long and read your top 10 mistakes and you're going to make them anyway. One of them is we raised too little money. Um, and when we had a, you know, six month period where MailChimp changed their API and Facebook completely rewrote their API and full content, like every tool that we used, um, that sucked up all our dev resources and we really weren't able to continue to develop the product. It felt like we were, you know, swimming upstream. And that's when we started to look at, you know, what are, what are our options? Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com, click the red button that says install this on Gmail, and when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report, and you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use, www.thetopinbox.com. Did you sell for more or less than three million? More. More. Okay, I'm good. A, so, I'm so, hoping more to say that. <laughs> yeah. It, so yeah. the reason I asked that, you didn't have to deal with trying to convince your investors to take back seventy cents on the dollar. In other words, they got their money back, and then after the one X, I imagine you probably had a one X equation preference. The rest trickled down to common holders. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So that's healthy. Really healthy. Um, how are you acquiring these customers? Like, what were you spending to acquire them, and where were you finding them? Um, we were doing, um, pretty traditional, like a, a fair bit of, um, outbound communications. At one point we semi strictly implemented, um, oh gosh, predictable, uh, predictable revenue. Um, that book, I mean, I literally was like, this is all new to me. Here's the book. Everyone do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be working for other folks. So, you know, we would put together lists based on, you know, top 100 most, um, innovative nonprofits on social and then reach out to them sort of systematically. There's a fair bit of relationship stuff too. We went to all the conferences or at least, you know, when things were thin, we like hang out in the lobby near the industry conference. That's the big secret, the by tricks. the way. I listen, 
I could easily afford to buy a, a thousand tickets. I still don't because no one puts a guard at the entrance of, of the actual door to scan the badge. And if you just walk in confidently, no one's ever going to question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, conference it, organizers listening are hating us right now, but it's the truth. Oh, I mean, and Blackboard puts on a huge industry conference and it's wonderful and you should go to every session and pay full freight. <laughs> but, you know, we used to go hang out near that too or say, hey, are you going to be there? We're going to, you know, let's grab coffee as if we were going to be there, you know? Yep. <laughs> well, guys, a lesson I want to pull out from Raza's story for you guys is it's really, 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 it can be good and bad to be connected to other people's APIs. But if you start thinking about an exit, having channel partners is a great place to start in terms of trying to drum up demand for your company because you're already built on their API, hopefully adding value. And obviously she was able to get a great exit. So um, Raz, last few questions here before we wrap up unit economics related stuff. Did you have any churn issues? What was churn in the company before you sold it? Um, I don't have exact numbers. Um, it was it was a challenge for us, I will say. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't have exact numbers to share with you on okay. churns. That's a couple but like years. more than ten percent per month. Uh, not per month, no, okay. but um, certainly more than ten percent per year, which you know on the very high end when you're when you're nailing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, for part of the motivation with the acquisition too was people were churning because the integrations weren't strong enough, and so or they um, broke CRM, and so we wanted to be part of a CRM company. Yep. And where was the team based? Um, we were all remote, so we had a couple of people in. DC. I'm based in Atlanta. I had someone who moves three times a year. So I never quite know where she is. <laughs> That's funny. Um, part of the time, at least she's in Montana, um, Boston. Um, we had a couple of engineers and one, one person in death Valley. Oh, wow. Okay. So full, fully remote, 100% remote. And were you looking at things? I mean, you raised capital, so I imagine you were, but what, what amount of time would you let go by before you wanted to recover any of your CAC? Um, I don't have it. That wasn't something I wasn't sorry. anything you looked at. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, I don't want you to make something up. Um, how are you making decisions though around what to pay to acquire customers if you didn't know what payback period was? Um. Well, let me think about how to answer that. Okay. Uh, in a way, we were just kind of optimizing on the overall picture. I mean, we were still. Um, looking at kind of almost experimenting with, you know, what could we charge? What was, you know, what was the most efficient way to acquire folks? Um, it varied so much. Um, the deal size varied so much and the time to acquisition varied so much that, you know, there weren't real firm numbers. We still were in a lot of ways kind of start figuring it out. Therapy. Yeah. But you didn't have those kinds of conversations like in the deck when you went to fundraise. Um, you know, I'm trying to think we had, we had numbers, you know, in terms of, well, this is our average, um, deal size. We knew how many people were selling how long it took on average to close a deal. Um, what was that number months or quarters or years? It was, um, I want to say three or four months. Um, so, you know, for an $8,000 deal, it wasn't optimal. Um, you know, honestly, uh, the way that, it's being sold now, which is part of a package with other tools that it's complementary to, to, it makes a lot more sense, um, you know, for salespeople. I think we were actually, we're in a little bit of a gray area, you know, for new entrepreneurs and startups. Like I would say, if you've got a product that's a true B2B sale that takes a salesperson and you're moving things with, you know, commission-based, you know, that deal size is, is tough. Yep. 
Yeah, no, it's there's a death valley there. You've you if if the price is too high, where someone's not going to check out by themselves online with no touch, that's that's fine. It means you have to put touch on it, but it also can't be so low where you can't afford to put touch on it. So there's like that that valley you got to get out of there. Did you guys increase the price post acquisition? Um, no, actually, uh, we changed the price structure. So now it's tied to, um, it's a little in the weeds, but it was tied to match. Um, so how many social matches we're actually listening to in the product. Um, and now it's tied to your overall number of, um, uh, contacts in your CRM because it's being the CRM. So, you know, it, it, it's a little bit different, but it actually starts at a lower price point and, um, you know, but we have many more bigger deals at this point. All right, Roz, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what is the book that you're reading right now? Um, uh, I don't know how to answer that because I'm sort of between things at the, at the moment. Um, I'll say a couple uh, that have been useful recently. Yeah, just um, pick one. Pick the most useful one recently. Little Bets. Okay, Little um, Bets. Number, sure. number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, funny thing. I haven't had a boss in a long time, but now I do. So obviously I'm following, uh, Mike Giannone, who's our BlackBot CEO, who's actually done this incredible, you know, um, not turnaround, but he's really kind of launched the company in a new direction. But since that's sort of a cheat answer, I'll also say, um, Hillary Mason, who recently was a CEO, but her company just got acquired by Cloudera. Everything she does is awesome. So I'm always following What Hillary. was her, her name? Like, I mean, sorry, the company name? Um, it was fast forward labs. Um, and she was the, um, chief scientist for Bitly. Got it. Oh, very good. Very good. Number three, what's your favorite online tool? Um, I guess I still like Facebook and Slack. Um, I'm very, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about what is the glue for individuals to connect with each other. Um, and those are, you know, peer to peer communities. Yeah. Number, number four, Roz, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I try for eight, usually seven. That's good. And what's your situation? What's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Uh, married, two kids. So you're busy. Yeah. All right. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Um, about to be 42. Okay, good. So we'll, we're going to hold on to 41 here for a hot second, okay? <laughs> Last question. Take us back 20 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, gosh. Um Honestly, the whole ride's been pretty good. <laughs> so it's not, it's no work. It's not a regret. Just something you wish you knew back then. Um, 20 year old self. I wish I knew that the, uh, internet bubble that was the tech bubble that was happening right then was about to burst. Cause I was overly confident that that was gonna be there for me to ride whenever I stop messing around. There you guys have it from Raj. She wishes she knew that that bubble was about to pop. She would have jumped on the ride maybe a little earlier, but what I love about her story it sounds like she's really fine-tuned with her husband how to hit doubles, and they've done it many, many times, 10 companies, four exits, having success. Current or most recent one was Attentively, which is essentially uh, a way for you know any social cause to transform your supporters into social media ambassadors, manage them like a CRM almost for social causes. Uh, they grew that company, raised two, over $2 million bucks in venture capital, grew it to about 120 customers and about uh, a little under a million bucks in annual recurring revenue, healthy economics before negotiating negotiating an exit to BlackBot for uh, north of $3 million. Good exit for everyone. She's now building at that company. Roz, thank you for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks, Nathan.